You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, I am coming to you live from Las Vegas. I have a broom in my hand because my Tampa Bay Lightning are about to sweep Florida. So that's going on as we're recording this. So again, be on alert for a possible screaming or an F word being dropped if something bad happens. But uh, as exciting. Usual. Yes, and for all of you Ranger fans that are watching too, I'm actually rooting for you. I want you to get to the conference finals. I would love to play you. I know there are certain people out there in the audience who I've been going back and forth with Twitter and texting with where we need to have this little civil war of Giant fans. I, I love you all as Giant fans, but we're in the thick of it now, so this is really exciting. So I'm Fr- gonna leave it. Friendly at competition is fun. I'm gonna leave it at Go Bolts, Go Rangers. And let's just we'll put that aside for right now, and let's talk about our Giants. Yeah, let's let's put that aside and talk about our Giants, who were at attendance uh, at multiple Rangers games now. Uh, and Yankee, I see Kayvon Thibodeau did not get booed by everyone named not named Snacked. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's you know apparently we have some recent history of booing our own draft picks. So that that is a good sign, I would say, of the franchise that we're not doing that right now, right? Well, I I mean definitely I mean. Poor Daniel Jones gets booed. People didn't like the pick, and they're going to boo him. I think. I don't think anybody out there was against Thibodeau or didn't like him or doesn't want him or doesn't think he's going to be the next LT or something. So he's going to get the uh, the, the standing the ovation. Fanfare, yeah. So it's great, you know, until he you know doesn't have a first sack on the first drive, and all of a sudden he's on everybody's shit list. But until then, you know, everybody <laughs> everybody wins the off season, and that's really kind of the theme of this episode, isn't it, Grub? We're talking about teams that currently win the offseason and now really are crowing about winning the offseason yeah i mean this is we we've spent the last oh my god three months now talking almost specifically about the draft and how these guys fit for the giants it's time to take a step back out of our bubble a little bit here and look at the rest of the division um and i mean it starts off right away with um you know news right that we have not yet covered just based on our episode schedule, and that is James Bradbury signing a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles f- following his release from the New York Giants. He now becomes uh, one of two very good starting corners for the team with him and Darius Slay. A little bit different style corners, but should fit into the defensive front and what they're trying to do just fine. Um, the Eagles, um, you know, having a, a pretty pretty good offseason I don't think it's as nearly as good as everybody else seems to think I guess but um but that's definitely a a wise move you know a a nice safe gamble that you know betting that we wouldn't be able to trade him and unload his contract and that we would have to release him and that they could just kind of stand pat and you know sign him for cheaper and get him rather than have to trade for yeah let's parse this out to two different things as far as one how does this help the eagles Mm -hmm. and two what should I think as a Giant fan? And how much does this really affect me in the big picture of everything? Um, you know, since we're, we're Giant fans, and this is the Just Giant podcast, let's start with that one. 
I think everybody in the back of their mind had this fear he was going to go to Philly once this whole process played out. We all kind of knew at the back of our minds he was never going to be traded. We all knew at the back of our minds he was going to be released. And we all knew at the back of our mind that a logical landing place for him would be Philly. And everybody, as expected, freaked out about it. And you know, it's the end of the world, calling him a traitor, thinking, oh, my God, you know, if you hear a lot of the national media and especially the local Philly media thinking they've already – why even bother playing this season? Because they've won the offseason. They're going to win the Super Bowl already. But the reality is, and Grump and I have said this several times on this show and on Twitter and everything, is this year is not about wins and losses. This year is not about making the playoffs. This year is not about making a Super Bowl run. This is about building the foundation for the future. And this year, yeah, we would love to beat Washington and Dallas and Philly and not be uh, an embarrassing laughingstock and have the season drag out for years and years and years. But at the same time, James Bradbury was signed to a one-year deal in this kind of wash year that we're not overlooking, but we're not really – all our chips aren't in, as I'm using a Vegas expression here, for this year. So – Fine, he goes there. If he signed a five-year deal and he's going to be in a division against a bitter rival for the foreseeable future, I'd be a little pissed. But I think, you know, you need to have a landing place. It was a logical spot. Let's see if they can even re-sign him next year before we really start getting worried and, and, and discouraged about it. Well, let's start with will they even. I mean, remember James Bradbury, even if he does get re-signed, I don't think it's going to be for any kind of five-year deal or anything like that. I mean— if they're going to do it, it's going to be in small two-year increments, maybe a three-year deal, but just based on his age. Because the corner position, that that talent drop-off happens in the matter of months, uh, you know, and and it could even be a slump at the right time in somebody's career to just ruin their confidence, and then therefore, you know, as their age gets up there, their speed goes too, and it, it I mean, it could just be like that. So I. I you nailed it, man. I mean, right now, I am not worried. You know, I know we're going to talk about the division right now and, you know, whatever, but I'm actually not at all worried about the division and, and what they're doing this year because this is a rebuild year for the Giants. They are tearing literally everything down. They, I mean, they, they fired scouts, you know, following the draft. They, fired, they hired new people in. This is a full teardown and rebuild. That said, this year is really just about are the Giants going to get better? What are they going to kind of trend towards? Where are their new strengths and weaknesses that we have a new uh, new coaching staff, new systems all over the place? It's really about the Giants this year. It's not about the yeah. Giants versus everybody. That said, we are going to take this one episode to take a look at our division rivals in the offseason here. And the Eagles are on the flip side of it. It looks like they are cashing in for a limited window, kind of. I mean, this isn't an all-or-nothing... This is not an all-or-nothing Super Bowl run, but this is definitely a we're-going-to-find-out-what-we-have-with-Jalen-Hurts style of offseason. And they have a strange philosophy, too. You know, they seem to be just as interested in trolling the Giants as they do building a sustainable, long-term plan for success. I mean... They made this deal, I'm sure, in the back of their mind is that's another way to stick it to the Giants. Like that he screwed us at the end of the 20, uh, 20 season and just, you know. I just I don't I, I just don't feel screwed because, you know, Bradbury was only well, going to be don't. here for one year. Right. But that, that, that doesn't mean that's not what they were. That's not in the back of their mind of getting a little giggle. And, and Eagle fans are getting a giggle about. And a lot of Giant fans are. Eagle fans eat poop. So, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I can't really be concerned that's, about what their shit-eating grins are literally giggling at. <laughs> That's true. 
But I mean, though, I, I, there's there's something to that that they get a little extra glee of sticking it to us. Yes. But you're right. If, if you look at it in a logical way, in a rational way, in a way that you know, a lot of us don't want to hear, you don't want to accept because it seems like it's year a hundred of a two year rebuild, but it's a fact. So be it for this year, and we're not going to really worry about it as much. Yeah. Um, in all, I don't think that the Eagles had some fantastic offseason. I think they did a couple of things. Like, you know, for instance, in just to – I think they're doing the right thing, okay? Um, that that said, I don't think it's particularly good or bad. I don't think they've had a bad offseason either. That would be silly. But, you know, they've re-signed Jason Kelsey to a one-year deal. He is – really on the edge of retirement right now. If he is fully healthy and playing his best, then he's a very good center, all pro, uh, you know, definitely pro bowl. But is he going to be that? I don't know. And it seems like they don't really know. And they know that if they, what they get from him this year is all they're going to get. They're not going to get anything next year. They only signed him to one year deal and they drafted Cam Jurgens in the second round. I'll say this. I don't think Cam Jurgens is worth a second-round pick. So I don't really think that that's the best long-term solution at center, but it's a this-year solution at center. Um, I, I think you know getting A.J. Brown is uh, obviously a really good move. They trade draft picks away for him, which is fine. You know, you, you trade away a gamble on a draft pick for a sure thing in a in a in uh, essentially an NFL player. Um, but, I mean, that's also covering up past failures with Jalen Rager and, you know, Quiz Watkins and, and, you know, they haven't been very good at wide receiver despite their nonstop <laughs> investments there. Um, AJ Brown like- is going to be a problem long term, but he's really only here for like a three year deal, right? Four you years. Sen- you get a sense for them that they're trying to push their chips in right now when they're, they're not ready for it. But like their uh- mentality is it's almost like a, our window is right now. Um, well, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know their full like contract situation. Um, not sorry, their salary cap situation to make that justification. But I think that they're at the very least giving Jalen Hurts enough stuff for it to be either a, a season where he shines or his fault that they don't. Um, they are pretty balanced on defense. I think they, you know. TJ Edwards is a good linebacker, um, but that's kind of it. I mean, they, they got Hassan Reddick. That's kind of helpful. They drafted N'Kobe Dean. I want to say that that's a really good move, but, I mean, he fell to the third round for injury reasons. I have to at least see something from him first. Um, the, I, I mean, to me, honestly, the best move that they made in the draft was getting Jordan Davis. You know, they re-signed Fletcher Cox for one year, um, and then... You know, so they, they have this this badass in the middle of the defensive line next to Javon Hargrave. They get Jordan Davis, who is ready to start day one. So they have a nice rotation this year. But ultimately, he's just going to replace Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis. Um, so it does kind of feel like there's a little bit of a push this year to do things. But I don't think that they overstepped themselves the way that, say, the Giants did with the short salary cap in the following years. The way they dished out money really put them in a, if they don't win this year, then... Some guys are going to have to get let go. Um, and you made, you made the point I, I don't about think Jalen Hurts. Yeah. You made that point about Jalen Hurts. I mean, he seems like he's the kind of the big question. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand with him? And a, a second part to that question is, all things considered equal, would you rather have him right now in a prove year or uh, Daniel Jones? I would rather have Daniel Jones, but it's not that far off. I think Jalen Hurts is better at making – 
it's it's just so hard to say. But based on what I've seen, Jalen Hurts is able to make plays happen. You know what I mean? Like he has an it factor to him that is, um, you know, an intangible. Um, he also has. He I would say, he yeah, he does. But I think I think that his his you know designed runs are not any better than Daniel Jones, and I think that his uh, maybe they're slightly better than Daniel Jones. But I think just in general, his throwing, you know, accuracy, everything with passing the ball, I think Daniel Jones is actually better at. He's just had the fortune of playing A, in a system that makes sense, and B, behind a good offensive line. Whereas Daniel Jones has only kind of had that under Pat Shermer when they were just generally not a good team. And it wasn't a good offensive line even then either. No, it wasn't. But, I mean, it, it was at least an offense that made sense, and he put up numbers when, you know— Went in that offense. So, I mean, I would lean towards Daniel Jones, but it's not – it's a lean. It's not a strong feeling. Where would you yeah. Where would you land on that? Right now, I think they're both in prove-it years to me. It's just like, – Oh, I definitely, the, yeah. In the division next year, you, you probably see – I would think most likely you will see two for sure, possibly three different starting quarterbacks in the division. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I think this is uh, – it might be something where it's razor thin between Dallas and Philly and I don't want to say us yet and I don't think Washington, but who's the better team in the division? Who wins the division? might be just the quality of quarterback play. might separate them. I think it will be. That's a really, really good pivot point. But, you know, I, I think the Eagles are in a good position to potentially win the NFC East, if not get a wild card spot, especially with the extra wild card spot this year. Um, but for their long-term future, I think they're just – okay right now um i think they're gonna i mean that's fine but they're not they're not they're in a decent position this year to win the division they're not in a great position but it's a decent position but i think unless they have another stellar offseason next year they're going to be in a worse spot next year Mm -hmm. that's just how i feel um that said i think the cowboys are in the best spot to win the division this year but they're not really you know it, it comes down to dak prescott and i say that because I've been hypercritical of Dak Prescott because I think that he is he's just playing on a fantastic team and doing just enough. And I think that speaks to their failures in the playoffs year after year or in big moments. Their their failure to win. I mean, like I said, we went we went over Dallas's record on Thanksgiving over the last 8 years. They've won two games. Yeah. Some of those were against scrub opponents, too. Mm-hmm. Um that they lost. Um Something has to be said that Dak Prescott does not win big games. Uh, you know, I personally don't think Mike McCarthy is a very good offensive coordinator or head coach. Um, but I mean, last year, what they had on offense with their wide receivers and the offensive line that they have, there's just no excuse for not putting up like 35 points per game. Um, you know, they, they go out and they get Dan Quinn to be their defensive coordinator. He has a defense firing on insane cylinders. Micah Parsons has a, a crazy year. Even Trayvon Diggs, who I don't think is that good, has an insane year. Um, and they still can't win jack shit. I mean, really. I think eventually that does have to come down on your quarterback not making things happen, right? Um, For continual pattern, I, I would put... 40% about on your quarterback. I just think they've had bad coaching for so long. I, I agree with that. I think I it's mean, those I, I, two I things. I think it's coaching and the quarterback. You're talking about Mike McCarthy who, you know, when you are born with a silver quarterback in your mouth, that makes life a lot easier to win a Super Bowl. And then Jason Garrett, we don't have to talk about him anymore on this. And he was but he only won one, right? McCarthy only won yeah. one. Yeah. 
with That's Aaron Rodgers. So, so it's possible, you know, they they won that one in spite of him. You know, just based on on the, the limited amount they've won. But you know, if you're going back with the Cowboys, they they have not had a good coach since when? Jimmy Johnson. Par- Parcells. Oh yeah, I forgot about Parcells. Yeah. Who was he there for a year, two years, three years? Not very long. So you're talking a generation ago. You know, when, easily, easily. When, when the obnoxious cowboy fan you'll see at the Meadowlands was coherent. They don't remember Bill Parcells as the coach. No. Yeah. So that's how, that's how long ago we're talking about. So I, I think it's a combination. I always, you know, when I look at matchups for things, I always go to quarterback and coach. You know, kind of like in one sentence, that's the difference. And two teams are closely matched and. They have not had that advantage when you can clearly say both are better when you get into playoff scenarios and, you know, advancing very far. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I don't think they're there right now either. And I think as long as Jerry Jones is a star fucker looking for names as opposed to quality, you know, I think that will remain the case. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, And I look at this this roster and I think I think the Cowboys have the best chance to win the division. So I'm stating that in front. That said, they, I think, are right on the edge of falling off a cliff. Um, You look at what has made them so good for so long has definitely been their offensive line. It's been the only constant with this team for for a while now. Tyron Smith is right on the edge of retiring just based on injury. You know, forget his age. He has played a lot of football and he has sustained a lot of injuries. They went out and they signed Tyler Smith from Tulsa, Eventually, to be the replacement. Now we can we can sit here and laugh about Jerry Jones holding up the draft order and saying that they had him higher than the guys <laughs> that went. Whatever we can laugh about that. But I, Tyler Smith to me is not a Tyron Smith clone that's just going to come in there and be the next Tyron Smith. Their names might be similar, but that's about it. They, they, he he's good first round pick, fine, whatever. It's still a huge difference between who might be one of the best left tackles I've ever seen and a first round pick left tackle. And you know, moving in, they they have, he, he and he's going to probably play left guard this year, Tyler Smith. Uh which means that they're going to have to get another, you know, another guy to play offensive line. You know, Biadish at center is a you know, he's all right. Uh Zach Martin still remains to be the 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 you know, the the bright spot on this offensive line going into the future. You know, right now it's probably him and Tyron Smith. But like I said, going into future years, there probably won't be a Tyron Smith. And then they have Terrence Steele at right tackle. The, the, the thing that has made this team so good for so long is right on the precipice of crumbling. They're going to have to take the offseason very seriously looking at their offensive line in multiple positions. Well, um, the other thing, too, if you go along with that is, you know, the reliance on Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott may not be the the best running back on the roster anymore, but they're still going to lean on him as well. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, and they're going to try and get out of that contract that they've given him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it seems like, you know, they, they, in my opinion, in the draft by getting Sam Williams upgraded from what they had at Randy Gregory, uh, not in terms of getting on the field, since there's a good chance Sam Williams will do something stupid, like shoot somebody and, and, and get arrested. But, um, you know, Sam Williams is a better edge presence than Randy Gregory was, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Randy Gregory is a one-trick pony with speed. Um, it almost looks like, on top of everything, Dan Quinn won't be the defensive coordinator next year. I just imagine he's going to take a head coaching gig somewhere. Mm-hmm, 
He's been percolating uh, there long enough. I think it's time for him to get another job, another opportunity. Two, year, two years is a long time for a guy like that, especially when you look at what he already did with what wasn't a very good defense last year. What he did to Trayvon Diggs, who's not an insane corner, but had insane interception numbers. I mean, he's already got the pedigree. He went to a Super Bowl, very nearly won a Super Bowl as a head coach. He's got a track record in Seattle with defense. He's got a track record at the University of Florida. Um it's only a matter of time before he either becomes the head coach of Dallas, which I guess is possible, right? Sure. I mean, you see these some of these retrades that get a second and third job. He is certainly better than a lot of the ones that. Oh yeah. Their opportunities. So I would, you know, I think I think we might we were talking about our head coaching search. I think we definitely kind of profiled him as a possibility. I'm pretty we sure we like, did. We're like mm, maybe not, but it was certainly worthy of an discussion. discussion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah, I, I think that this defense might be in a position in, in in a year. It might be that the defense for Dallas is better than its offense, which would be, whew, I, I don't remember the last time I thought that. Yeah, exactly. And the way how bad it was just last year. Mm. Two years ago. Uh, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, it was like uh, his start. That's pretty that. amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I uh, yeah, and and I know you know like earlier I said like we can sit there and laugh at the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and and Tyler Smith and him holding up the draft order and all this other stuff, but in my opinion, I thought the Cowboys had a very good draft. They got Tyler Smith to play tackle. You know, even if he winds up being a lockdown right tackle and they have to search for a new left tackle next year, that's still a good pick, um, especially where they picked it. They got Sam Williams is going to be the best edge presence to you know to complement uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who they re-signed. They went and they got Jalen Tolbert at wide receiver. I like him. I think I like him more than Gallup, who they just gave a ton of money to on a five-year deal. They got Jake Ferguson at tight end, who I really like. They got Matt Willetsko at tackle, who I also think is better than other people thought. I think he can develop and become a depth tackle. Damon Clark at linebacker. John Ridgway at defensive line. I like these guys. This isn't a bad draft at all. And a lot of them... You know, it's a pretty equal split between offensive defense. I think that they actually did have a pretty decent draft. Um, they're going to have to have another one next year, or like I said, there's a real chance that this team falls apart in the off season. Um, that's kind of how I look, but but I do think that for this year they have the inside track at winning the division, right? I would say so, but as far as I don't think they have the delusions of grandeur to be anything more than a division winner. I mean, do you really see this team as a a threat to be a conference finalist or even a Super Bowl team? I don't. I mean, I don't, but I also would have told you that their defense would have been atrocious last year, even with Dan Quinn, and I was wrong. They were very good on defense last year. If the defense plays like it did last year, I think that they have a shot at a maybe making it to a conference final. I don't think they'll make it to a Super Bowl. But I, I just, remember I how bad the NFC is, though. That's true, but I just can't, can't see them getting into shootouts with teams like the Rams or Green Bay or something. You know, these, you know, their defense may be better, but you know, I, I don't see it. I mean, I, I guess the next question is how much more room for growth is there for this team for the next you know two to three years? I mean, how much have they pushed their chips in with the salary cap and everything and, and, and future draft picks? Is this it, or is this a team that's still on the ascension for their their build to a real window? No, I, I would say that they're not really building right now. Uh, I think that they are reloading. 
Uh, so like I said, like the big thing is they went and they got what what they think is going to be their left tackle of the future ahead of Tyron Smith retiring. That's reloading. Um, they went and they got Jalen Tolbert with Amari Cooper departing. That's kind of reloading um, as best you can. Um, but the, I mean, I don't think that they're building for the future. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that they're falling apart faster than they're building. Yeah, faster think, than they're reloading. I should say. Sorry. Yeah, and I, I don't think you know. I don't think this is good enough for what they want to be either. So that's fine with me, <laughs> to, to be very honest. I mean, well, I think I think pieces, they're, they're they're fortifying, but I don't think they're in the. I, I I think this is the end game of how good they can be. I think they're really they're reaching what their ceiling can be right now with this quarterback. This I agree. Coaching staff. That's what I'm trying to spit out. Yeah, I, I think they. They've messed up by having a couple of subpar drafts over the year. Years, um, they've taken too many risks on players, especially in the draft that that may not play at all due to off the field issues. Way too many of those risks. Way too many on players that weren't that good, to be honest. Um, but they've also they've been bad at giving out contracts to the wrong people. I mean, like they have pretty much were forced to lose Amari Cooper because of the way they had handled where they were spending their money. Um, and they've also misevaluated, in my opinion, and I could be very wrong about this, but I think they misevaluated Dak Prescott and deciding that he was the quarter. I, I think they decided he was the quarterback in his first year. He came in for Tony Romo. He played very well on a very, very, very good team. And I think they decided immediately that they were set at quarterback and they shouldn't have done that. Well, I think that's, that's the problem I mean. of being the Dallas Cowboys and getting all the media attention that they get where if you're the quarterback of the Cowboys you are going to be propped up by the national media and hyped up more and overly loved than what your actual value is and I think that all of a sudden that's something that an agent loves to hear and you know their perceived value is a lot more their actual value is and you, you worry about if you lose a guy like this what is he really on the open market, which may not be as much as he should be if he wasn't a Dallas Cowboy. So yeah, that's fine. It's it's up to you as an organization, though, to know know your players but and know your not, team. And like I said before, this is not the organization that can objectively look at their – they look at stars. They look at moving the needle. They look at you know what makes Jerry Jones look smart. It's, oh, I can get – star x to come over here i can make a splash in the draft by drafting this guy that may not be the right piece for what we have they've always done that you know it worked out in the very beginning when he had jimmy johnson but you know what again that generation is a long long time ago and you know he has not had good football men in that in that team for almost 30 years now and they're going to keep floundering like they are They'll have little peaks, like they'll have that occasional 11-win year, but you're going to see when all of a sudden you're playing teams of your peers for record and, you know, in the playoffs, you're going to see the inadequacies of a team pop out. Yeah, you're right. Um, Battling us for the bottom of the division is going to be the Washington Commanders, in my opinion. Um, You know, and it's ironic because I think they're the best coached team in the division. Um, I have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera, and I, I think, honestly, they have outperformed their roster because of him. Um, I also think they had a terrible draft. Um, I got to be honest. They, they they went out and they got Fidarian Mathis to help 
bolster a strength, which I am actually a big fan of. You know, now on the inside on the defensive line, they have Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and now Fidari Mathis, just all Alabama guys that are unstoppable. Um, that's that's going to be a huge problem, especially for us because we're not very good in the middle. Um, they still have Chase Young and, and you know and Sweat on the outside. You know, that's seeming to look a little less explosive year by year, but we'll we'll see with that. But outside of that, the only other thing I think they really have going for them as a strength might be wide receiver with Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. They went out and they got Jahan Dotson, and they they had Deami Brown last year. I know some people really like Gandy Golden. Um, I, I mean, I don't know enough about him to, to give you a projection that he's going to take the leap this year. But ultimately, they had, in my opinion, a bad draft. They got Jahan Dotson, Fidarian Mathis. Then they went Brian Robinson at running back, Percy Butler at safety, Sam Howell at quarterback, Cole Turner at tight end, who's really a lot closer to being a big wide receiver than a tight end. Chris Paul, who I actually like um, in the inside, like a you know, guard or... Yeah, left or right guard. And Christian Holmes at corner is terrible. Uh, it's it's just very strange to me. Uh, they, they went and got Sam Howell after signing or trading for uh, Carson Wentz, who's, I don't know, maybe worse than Taylor Heineke? It's hard to tell. He was very bad for the Colts last year. And they get Sam Howell, who I think is also worse than Taylor Heineke. I, it, but, but it's like so close between the three of them. They're all not very good. You know, I talked about retread coaches. I mean, he is now the epitome of the retread quarterback. I mean, someone that the uh, the Colts mm. owner couldn't wait to get out of town fast enough. I mean, do you ever oh, yeah. an owner bad mouth his quarterback as much as we heard out of Indy in the <laughs> way they collapsed at the end of the, in the, end of the season? Uh, this just seemed like another team that just kind of circles around and doesn't really know what they're doing. You know, just you know, Ron Rivera is by far the best football man in that building. But I, I just, and he has he just as a as a side note he has a lot more on his plate than just being the head coach of that team. Uh, if you remember, they like appointed him as like some official executive title where he signs off on like their whole rebranding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like remember that, but that was like a That's big right. thing when he got hired. Like he is, I wouldn't say in charge, but it has to deal with like with input about you know the new team name and and, and all this. I mean, they had to, like, restaff the whole front office following scandals and stuff like that. Look, as a Giant fan, any second he is spending worrying about the team colors and team name is a a second his eye is off the ball of what he should be doing. Oh, and as a side note, there was a story today, Monday we were recording this, um, that the owner has now purchased a whole bunch of land in Virginia. I don't know if you saw this. I did, um, and you know where that is. That's near Dumfries, Virginia. So if you well, there's are... there's three spots that are in consideration in Virginia, but they are still also weighing Maryland. They haven't gotten any input, I think, about how much the state would kick in to build a new stadium or whatever. By the way, I didn't know FedEx Field is, was built in 1997. That's really new. Yeah, is that is that correct? The... Why is it such a shithole? Because it's not maintained. I guess, yeah. They they, they, they built it too big. You know, they've cut back a lot of the upper deck seating. It's always been a shithole. It's always been the worst grass field in the league for for Mm. them in Pittsburgh, but at least Pittsburgh has the excuse where the college team plays there as well. Um, But if if they move to Dumfries, what they're talking about, you know where that is? It's like on the Potomac. No, 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 no. It's like 20, 30 miles south on I-95 from the Beltway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you can there's absolutely i mean it's hard enough to get to to fedex now by taking the train and you have to take a bus and walk but down there and i don't know if you've ever driven on i-95 mm, in Virginia. i have it just is, recently I, actually i went to a wedding uh down there it is awful any day of the week any time of day without you know eighty thousand people going to well okay it's it's the commanders so fifty thousand people for a game but it would be catastrophic to get to i mean especially think of us giant fans who come down like now you can just take the train and you know jump on mass transit you can't do that to get down there you have to drive so it would be but that's not our problem that's their problem no it's not yeah that's not for years in the future but it's just that is an organization it's just a mess and who knows what's gonna happen with daniel snyder i mean all these you know potential lawsuits and investigations going on and he might get uh Donald Sterling out of ownership of this team, and they may have to, you know, bounce him out. We we don't know yet. It's definitely a team in limbo, and who knows what that's going to cause for making long-term decisions for this team too. Yeah, I mean, I just figured I'd mention it since you were talking about how much Ron Rivera has to deal with other shit. Despite also getting over cancer. Um, yeah. Uh, this team, you know, they're really weak at linebacker. They took a flyer on Jamin Davis last year, which I thought was a huge mistake. And he is playing next to Cole Holcomb and David Mayo. I mean, that might be the worst linebacker group in the NFC. Um, you know, in the secondary is not much better between Bobby McCain. They, they just don't have much back there. Fuller and William Jackson at corner. St. Juiced was their big their big draft pick last year. I didn't really agree with that one. Cam Curl is okay at safety, but Bobby McCain is not very good. And they signed or they, they drafted Percy Butler, who was barely even on my radar. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm being serious here. I'm not just picking on a division rival. I thought this was a bad, a bad draft. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that they're this. they're just average. They're just average at best at almost everywhere except the defensive line. They're actually very good. They're just one of those teams that, like, every four or five years has that five game winning streak in November and December, and they take advantage of a bad division. Yeah. And you know, it, it's happened. You know quite a few times in the last 15 years or so where their record is a better indicator of how good the team actually is you know the depth of this team the lack of star power the last of franchise players on this team and you know they're just one of those teams that nothing would surprise me if you know if they go six and eleven or they they run that hot streak in november and all of a sudden they win a weak division but i put my money on battling us for being the worst team in the division and being pretty close Nothing. Last, nothing. Nothing screams at me at like, oh, they're about ready to make a breakout and 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 join Washington and Dallas. Oh, I'm sorry, Philly and Dallas for the, you know, division leader. Right. Uh, last thing on Washington. Um, I just don't know what they're trying to do at quarterback. Like, like long term. You know what I mean? Like, you draft Sam Howell in the whatever fourth round, I think. So he's not. He's not exactly here for a million years. To, to even get a look at him. It's going to be a short, you know, three-year, four-year deal, whatever it is. Taylor Heineke is now, hasn't really done anything to show you that he's not worth another look, you know, with a better roster, in my opinion. But then they went out and got Carson Wentz anyway. Um, none of these seem like long-term solutions to me. They all seem like I would like to give one of these guys a very good roster and see what they can do. And instead, they went out and got all three of them and had nothing to do that they haven't made the roster any better. Well, Carson Wentz, his contract is 
He's got a, a cap hit next year of 26.1. There is no cap hit next year in 2023. Yeah, there's no dead. There's no dead hit. So they do have a they have a full out if necessary. Um, but I, like I said, like the, all of these seem like short term solutions. I don't think that Carson Wentz can do anything with this roster this year to not get cut next year. I just don't think better, so. He had a better roster last year in Indianapolis, and look what and a, and a better offensive coordinator too. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't. So that's the, when I look at this. I look at three guys who have a short chance to prove that they're something and a bad roster to do it with. So I, I think they're just going to pass on all three, and they're just going to be a quarterback reload mode. Next year's a very solid quarterback class. That's in true. The draft. So potentially, but it depends on who declares and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. But they may be deciding to do what we're kind of doing is just. Make it a show me year, and then really think about twenty twenty three. Who the future guy is going to be? Yeah, that's true. And but to to wrap up this episode, and my point here, we're looking at a division now where I have now called out all four quarterbacks, all of them. <laughs> I have said that Dak Prescott is the reason Dallas hasn't won, and I'm guessing that he's going to be the reason they still won't win this year. Jalen Hurts, I said I would rather have Daniel Jones, though it's close. <laughs> And Daniel Jones is in a prove-it year. I'm 100% behind that. I like him. I believe in him. But the door is closing, and I'm not going to make any more excuses for him. I need to see improvement from him, serious improvement. And Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell, I just called out all three of them. This whole division might be looking at new quarterbacks in the next two years. The whole division. Um, so for sure, two of them mm-hmm. in, in two years will have new quarterbacks. So. It's very interesting. This this year could we're, we could be seeing you know some ups and downs. You know, I, I really would like to revisit this. Let's say maybe at the bye week, we can take a look at what we have the future projection for each team. You know, what do you think? Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I it's such a tough call because you know we we've already put the marker down for this team that they're rebuilding, and we want them to follow a a nuanced plan not just for this year, for the next couple of years, but you just look at the, the, the vision still, and it's like, it's there. And this, they have to, you know, I think they did a pretty good job this year, uh, you know, sticking to plan, but what happens even next year when they feel like that ring is so close to them for winning the division? They make moves that has doomed this team, in, you know, a few times in the last 10, 15 years, and hopefully they stay on, they stay true to form of trying to build for sustained long-term success and just, oh, we can win a division next year because Dak is hurt or, you know, Washington doesn't know who their quarterback is or Philly, the gambles they took didn't pan out or something. So that's going to be really interesting to see with this giant front office is how they're going to play going forward. 100% right. Um, it's going to be, you know, measured decisions to get make this team better in the short term, but also not hurt them in the long term. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what, what the other teams in the division end up doing when they win the division. Whichever team wins the division, they, maybe it'll go to their head and they'll screw up their long-term future, you know? So, Bears, so Bears think, watching. As we, as we sign off, do you think, looking back in hindsight, the best thing that's happened to this giant organization was that Philly tanked that last game? And we didn't, win, we didn't make it to the playoffs? No, I think the best thing that happened is Joe Judge ran two quarterback sneaks and got John Mara to finally wipe. I'm being serious because I don't think Joe Judge gets fired 
if he doesn't do that. I think Dave Gettleman retires as planned. I still think they bring in Joe Shane to replace him. But I think Joe Judge remains. And I think that... I don't know who the offensive coordinator is, but a guy like Joe Judge needs a serious offensive coordinator. I just don't think John Merrick fully cleans house until that moment. I think Joe Judge was safe. Because the one thing I fight with with people on Twitter, more than Yankees Rays, more than anything else, is my adamant defense of what they did. With oh, those two I, I'm not. I'm not saying. I think yeah. we both kind of defended it at that time. It's just been like whatever with this quarterback. You know what I mean? But right. I also think that I think that was a turning point for John Mara. I don't. I right or wrong does not matter. It just is. I, I think the press conference is what was a turning point. Yeah, I, really, I mean, I, I really my own personal the theory is that he had already had that conversation with John Mara, but I think the. I don't even think what he said in the press conference. I think the reaction from that press conference is like, listen to this guy, this lunatic, ranting and raving for 10 minutes on giving this long-winded, crazy answer. And I think that – and the reaction that he got from it was what really was the point of no return. I think the uh, the sneaks were just – it was a pile-on at that point. And it's just like you become the joke and now you're really the joke. But I think the joke was that press conference and that was the end of it. It could be. I, I, to me – you know, I, it's not a hill I'm gonna die on. I, I just, I think it's, I think it's the other way because the the press conference was in the news cycle for about two or three days, and that was kind of it. But the clips of him doing a quarterback sneak, and then the cameras panning to the crowd and Giants fans freaking out, they keep play, like I still find them being retweeted on Twitter, and not even being retweeted. I just like. Six months ago today, like it's a tweet from PFF yeah. and it's a video clip. I think that is I that is why I think John Mayer was more offended by that because it's a repeatable thing. A ten minute press conference is you're never gonna replay the whole press conference or even there was no real one moment from it that gets clipped and repeated or anything like that. The story is just the story. It's remember that press conference. It's not an actual digestible clip the way that those two quarterback sneaks are. But that's just my opinion. I, I could I could have it flip flopped. You could be right. Doesn't really matter yeah. to me. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just I'm sick of arguing with people about it, even bringing it up because to me it was just at the time it happened, we were there. We didn't I did. Even, I, I was just we laughing. Didn't say anything about it. We didn't even I was I was we laughing like, hysterically. <laughs> my my thought at the time was like, well, that's what you got. What, what else are we gonna do right now? We the only can't throw, we, the only, can't run. The only chance we have to win this game right now is not make mistakes because it was – I remember the score. It was something like 7-3 or something. It was close. It was like, yeah. well, logically, if we can't move the ball, the best thing we can do right now is give our punter some room to get the ball out of there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it just became this thing that blew up and it's like – Well, it's because it was it – is, is sad. It was just a sad state of the team. And sure. It's, yeah. 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 That's the way I view it. Anyway – We have some exciting stuff coming up in the future, the very near future, so be sure to follow us on YouTube and Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, etc. And follow us on Twitter also for updates and stuff, at JustGiantsPod for the show, at Football underscore Grump for me, and at TheCrankyFan for him. And that's it. Go Giants! Go Giants! Go Giants!